full of amazing stories, and the purpose of this podcast is to collect those stories from the people that live them. Where We Landed is a podcast that recognizes our whole story told by the individuals that live and love this small Indiana county. Hello, everyone. We're excited to have you here on the podcast this week, and we are Where We Landed. And we've got a couple of great guests uh, for today, and it's Love Month, the month of February, so um, we're, we're excited about this. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Kylie Jackson, one of our co-hosts, and I'm also going to introduce her. Hey, everybody. And then I'm going to also say hi to Iris Brunner. hey yo. And I'm Scott Miller. I don't think I said that <laughs> earlier, so nice to see everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to try and recover from that. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. We're going to start with some wood just to get warmed up here. Uh, Ron and Jill, you can participate here, um, but we won't make you go first. Would you rather uh, be a bull rider or the clown that distracts the bull? I'd rather be a bull rider. Ugh. That clown, man, that thing's a sitting duck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I really don't want to do either. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I would probably I'm with Scott I'd probably get on the bull. Yeah. W- wasn't there a Tim McGraw song like yeah. uh I don't even remember the name. I think there was a movie 8 seconds, right? And yeah. he wrote like the theme song. Yeah, it was. I'm awesome. making that up. Yep. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. I like Some it sounds good. Oh, Garth Brooks. Yeah, probably. How about our but, guests? Yeah. What would you guys like to do? I think I'd be the clown. I could pretend that I'm fearless, but I'm not. It gives you a chance to run around and run away from fear. Yeah, you get a little more yeah. freedom to exactly. just yeah, dive not, over that wall. Exactly. Yep. I think I'm with Iris. I wouldn't want to do either one, but I would probably ride the bull. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Wow. I wow. know. So brave. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, like you said, Scott, the clown is a sitting duck. Yeah, so. I'm with Ron on this one. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking the clown, the bull. You get or the bull ride. You get no other options. Yeah. you just got to hang in there. Exactly. The clown, you can bail. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dive into that little barrel. Yeah. Exactly. But when you fall off the bull, though, they're chasing the clown. That's true. Yeah. Isn't this supposed to be a short answer? <laughs> <laughs> no, this could we could talk all day. We don't Bull even riding. no questions prepared. That was, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks all for right. being here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do one or two more. Would you rather spend a twenty-four hour period hearing car alarms in your head or the sound of a dentist's drill? Uh, that's really hard. I Go think ahead. both would get like. At one point, you could start drowning it out, though, right? Like, you would get so used to it. I think I'd do the drill. Yeah, I'd do car horns. I despise going to the dentist. That's what I, I, I take the laughing gas even when they're cleaning my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> For some it's reason, that, that does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> not big in pain. Yeah. I would take the drill with laughing the gas. Drill. Oh. <laughs> that's not even in the... I know, but that's what I would We're do. We're just making stuff up at this point. Yeah. Would you rather? I would rather take the laughing gas. Yeah, I think I would take the uh, the drill just because the dentist obviously is a little bit more knowledgeable, hoping, uh, and yeah. the car alarm, you have no idea who's breaking in. <laughs> if someone is breaking in. That's a lot of fear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Isn't that the title of the podcast? <laughs> Kylie, how about you? Um, I think I'm going to go with car alarms. I woke up during a dental surgery once, and oh, it was not, oh my not 
something I would want to do for a whole day. No. No. I think I would go with the car alarms. I'm with you. All right. Last one. Would you rather in one sitting eat 10 pounds of cheese or eat a bucket of peanut butter with nothing to drink? Peanut butter. All day, every day, peanut butter. <laughs> I am peanut butter. I can get a scoop of it. I'm here for it. Peanut butter. A whole bucket. <laughs> I um I grew up in dairy country up in northern Illinois. So I would say the 10 pounds of cheese. I love cheese curds. Like if you guys haven't had cheese curds from yeah. northern Illinois. Oh my gosh. I'm getting hungry right now. <laughs> How about you guys? Oh, I would say cheese. Yeah. Yeah, I have no fear about this one. Peanut butter. <laughs> Peanut butter. Yes, for sure. Uh, my heart wants cheese, but... Um, Probably peanut butter. It's the safest <laughs> for everyone, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the safest. Well, that was fun. Those those actually weren't too bad. Like sometimes I really do. I'm like, oh no, I have to make a decision. I'm terrible at decisions. Well, um, listeners, as you have heard, we have um, a couple of wonderful guests in studio today. Today we are welcomed. Um, we welcome Ron and Jill Mazellan. Uh, like Scott said, it's our month of love. So we've been reaching out to try to bring some couples in studio. We want to hear their stories. Uh, hear how they landed here in Grant County. Um, Ron is the creative director um, at campus and Jill is a graduating trainer for Ultimate Canine. Thank you guys so much for being here. Welcome, welcome. So let's get into our favorite question, which is always the first question um, at, here at where we landed is how did you guys land here in Marion and Grant County? Jill? <laughs> no, no, no. In our marriage, you go first. And then I'll well, I, I, I've got to try not to bring this back to the 1800s. I know. So. It's a long story. You, you can I'll, start wherever you like. Okay. So um, when I was a student in west of Chicago at a small college called Wheaton College, I played football with a guy named John. And John and I lived next to each other in apartments. And uh, he had a pretty big date coming up and uh, Jill was coming into town and his sister. And he asked me if I would uh, mind taking her out. And he says, if you do, I'll, I'll pay you. So, uh, <laughs> so he paid me $20 to take Jill out. And, uh, and so anyway, that experience, we just uh, laughed so hard on that date. It was just, just a great time. And so, um, so several years later, um, I moved to California, and so I'm uh, making a move to California. Jill's brother and Jill are from Southern California in Santa Ana, and her parents invited me to to stay for a few weeks until I landed a job, and so I ended up staying two years at her house. We, <laughs> we weren't dating at the time, and um, so anyway, um, long story short, we got married, and um, we were in California for about 10 more years, and raised or had raised three of our boys there and um jill we had, didn't raise them there we had them there we had them there for 10 <laughs> years i don't know if you call us raising kids but <laughs> but anyway uh jill had gone to school at uh, indiana westland so that's the connection to huh. marion and so i was when i would visit i was always amazed about the people and how generous and kind and, and gracious they were and marion pretty much has been the, a mirror of that and um, and so it was a hard move to to leave California, and uh, we had made a short stop in Colorado for a brief time. But coming here was just like a, 
a scary moment because you had no idea if it was going to work out. You're moving three kids, changing schools and all of that. And all of our kids attended Marion High School. So in, in that in itself was a great experience too. So, so that's the Reader's Digest version. Yeah. So let me back up just a little bit. So I'm going to be correct. No, I, no, 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 no. Um, so I, it wasn't $20. <laughs> no, it was, that is very, that's seared in my head. <laughs> no, cause my brother, he's very frugal and for him to give $20. For it was a big a deal. Day. I'm sure it was borrowed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, in, uh, in high school, my brother's two years older than me. So I would, you know, I would hear him talk about the Midwest and snow and, you know, just the change of weather and everything. And, um, again, he went to Wheaton. So I, I wanted to go to a school kind of near him, but I wanted to also have my own school too. So, um, a, a, the choral group from Indiana Wesleyan was at Wheaton and my brother heard the choral group and got information. Originally I was going into nursing, which now is kind of funny because I would like color code the pills rather than, yeah, it was, it would be really scary. It would be scary. It would be scary. Let's just put it that way. Um, so anyway, so I, I just, I applied to Indiana Wesleyan sight unseen, like, and there was like this huge, at that time it was Marion college back in the dinosaur days, dinosaur days. And there was this huge arch in this photograph that when I saw it in real life, it was not a huge arch. <laughs> it was and it, not very big. No, no. And I and my brother actually brought me to the school and he was like my brother didn't show a lot of emotion and he did not want to leave me here cuz it was <laughs> I'm sorry, but it was really scary, you know, just coming from Southern California and at that time the school was, you know, a lot of houses. It wasn't like a university, you know. So, but um the middle child I am, you know, determined, it's like, no, I'm going to do this or whatever. So I would get really homesick when I was here, super, super homesick. So that's why I would go and visit my brother in Illinois, because on the weekends, this was like a commuter school, everybody left and I'm from Southern California. And um, so that's kind of how, you know, the just the connection of Marion College to Wheaton College. And because Ron is actually from New Jersey. I'm from. Wait, wait, we don't want to. Oh, sorry. That might change things too okay, much. Okay, okay. <laughs> People might shut this down right now. <laughs> so, so we kind of met, we met in the middle. <laughs> we met in the middle. So that's, uh, that's kind of how it all came to be. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. And I was, I actually um, was an art education major. So I knew like all the art professors and, um, and that was the connection. Ron looked in after he finished his master's in California, he looked in the, um, what is it? Higher education. Yeah. The, Chronicles of higher education. Yeah. Chronicles of higher education for jobs. And he spoke with Mrs. Williams and a lot of people don't know Mrs. Williams now, but she was like just an incredible influencer at um, Indiana Wesleyan. And uh, she, when Ron called her to talk about a position at Taylor college at Taylor university, 
She said, no, you send your resume here. So that's how we got connected back to Marion College, you know, so, or Indiana Wesleyan. Um, yeah, it, but it was, it was really, like Ron said, we were raising three kids under the age of five. And Ron was completely freelance at that time. And financially, it was extremely hard. So it was like if we stayed in Southern California, I would have to go back to work and then paying child care for, you know, three kids. It's like I would hardly and that would have been teaching. And, it you know, that it wouldn't have it was very difficult um, that way. So when Marion College contacted us, it was like, it was scary, but it was also going to provide some security for us and some stability. And that's what we were really looking for. And I still wanted to stay home because the kids were, you know, still relatively young. And again, it was, it was more of a financial thing just on, you know, three, three kids. When you took that job at Indiana Wesleyan um, and moved to Marion, did you think that was your final landing spot? Like, did you think, what is it? 30 years later, you'd still be here? Or were there other goals after that? Yeah, that's a great question. Stepping into teaching, it's like, first of all, you don't even know if you're good at it. Um, Jill's dad, because um, just a little bit of background, beginning a career in Southern California, at least with the illustration industry that I was in, it was all based around, around advertising and entertainment. So those are the two industries that you work for. So it's really competitive. You have to build a name. You have to try to get an agent. So it's super competitive. And not knowing how to begin was equally hard. You know, it's just like, how do I take these first steps? So for 10 years, we basically learned how to navigate from ground zero to build a business that could run anywhere where I lived. So when we made the decision to leave, I also changed industries. I stepped into publishing, doing children's books and that type of thing. But Jill's dad probably had, Jill's mom and dad actually had the greatest influence. And he just said, you know what? I think you should go into teaching. And that was like, I was blindsided by that comment because I thought maybe he was saying that you're probably not gonna make it. So you might as well have something. But he had the knowledge, at least the, the courage even to tell me that teaching could be a part of the story. So going back to school was a huge step for us. So going to uh, Cal State Fullerton for my master's degree. Um, so once I completed that, getting into higher education is at least a stepping stone. But making the move and pulling in to Marion and not knowing if this is going to work you know, that risk factor, I think that anybody takes in life is that wonder. And um, so we gave it five years. We just said, you know, this is a five-year window. If I can make it five years, at least people could see that there's some commitment, longevity. But again, I go back to the people. Um, I was so encouraged by the art faculty and the people that I taught around, uh, getting involved in, in the church that we felt really supported by, um, having community around you helps you to succeed. Doing anything alone, your brain just gives you so many weird stories, you know, whether you're good, you're not good, and you just have to have that framework. And Jill's always been an encouragement, but you know, when you're engaged and someone tells you that your spouse is a 
an artist, everybody raises their eyebrows and go, oh, great. You know, that's, that's not going to work. So Jill thought that was really cute for about a week. Yeah. It's like suddenly, wow, how are you going to make a living at this? Yeah. You can draw. I know, you can draw. <laughs> yeah, that was very short-lived. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he was like this really big guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're still you're Thanks, still but very you don't need to yeah. rip on this right now. But <laughs> and it was like like this big guy because he was like you know big he played football player, yeah. and was like 30 pounds heavier of muscle. muscle. <laughs> <laughs> All things pass. <laughs> I think she's getting a kick out of um, the aging process. Yeah. So just to see this, you know, big guy just like drawing like these little pictures. They weren't. It little. was cute. <laughs> It was so cute that I had, okay, so one time I stayed with my brother in Wheaton and the only place that I could, the only room for me to stay in was Ron's room. Ron slept in the on the couch. I slept in his bed and I actually sprayed perfume. The <laughs> well, the bad news, I have very little sense of smell, so <laughs> she coated it. <laughs> We're getting I've, too intimate I've, here. With yeah, love month. That's, that's, uh, yeah. It's Valentine's. Yeah. Right? Um, so I've been accused of hitting some questions from out of left field. So this is going to be an out of left field question. Um, but when, as two transplants to Marion, can you remember a time when somebody was especially kind to you early on that you still, that still is seared in your mind? Like here was somebody who was really kind either as a couple or individually. Um, and I'm going to tell you, so give you a chance to think about it. So I just finished the book by Michael Lindsay, who's the new president over at Taylor called Hinge Moments. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that he talked about was as you come into new situations, is there somebody who makes a significant difference in a positive way? And so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but can you remember somebody or a person or a situation? Ardelia Williams. That's, that's who I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I just... I just was so moved by the generosity of her spirit, um, the encouragement that she she gave, because not knowing if you're going to be good at teaching. I mean, I taught adjunct in California for a few classes, low risk when you're an adjunct professor. But stepping into a full-time role, you need encouragement because this is long haul. This is like, it can't be one year and you're done. Um, so she was an incredible encouragement. Um, not knowing you could do this, um, I fired my first class because they didn't do their assignments. And it was the first week of school. And I just was so frustrated that they didn't do what I asked them to do because I'm very deadline driven and they didn't do anything. <laughs> and I was like, is this for real? And, um, so I fired them and I, I said, class is done. We're never coming back to this. And they looked at me starry eyes and I, I, inside I went, oh my gosh, I just lost my job. I went into Mrs. Williams and I said, I, I don't know if you can do this or not, but I fired my first class and she looked at me and she goes, well, we've never done that before. <laughs> and it just, it was a transformative moment that I could be creative in the classroom. And uh, we regained our footsteps with that with that class, but it changed the whole direction of uh, the teaching experience. Yeah, even earlier than that, she, as a student, 
she really took me under her wing, you know, because I was from so far, uh, far away from home. Um, you know, she took me to Chicago one time and just, you know, right before I left and got married and, um, I don't know, she just, she really took me under her wing. So that's one reason why, um, we wanted to come back. Yeah. That's awesome. Is she still here? No, she, she's passed. She passed, passed away several last years ago. Year. No, I think it was, wasn't it last year? Last year. Yeah. 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 Jill and I with time. It's like, <laughs> don't ask us anything about dates or math. Yeah. yeah. We'll have a good conversation. <laughs> the next portion is public math and go. <laughs> Today's episode of where we landed is brought to you by the United Way of Grant County. The United Way's mission is to build stronger families. We believe that sharing inspirational stories helps strengthen the fabric of our community. To get involved, contact the United Way at 765-662-9811. So I'm curious. So I, you know, I I hear your story. um, And Jill, you were kind of the first member of your family that stepped foot here, right? That kind of said, Mm -hmm. this is the place. Um, how did the rest of your family make it here? Okay. I'm so curious. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in, in, um, when we lived in Southern California, we were, we're just really close to my mom and dad. And, um, so when we moved here and took, you know, three grandsons away from them, that was really, really hard for them. Um, they were getting ready to retire. So, um, they, you know, living again, living in Southern California on a retirement income was, you know, they could have done it. They, you know, but they wanted more opportunity, which sounds, you know, kind of odd. You're coming to Marion for more opportunity, but it was really true because they took their pension. They had worked, they had been teachers, educators in California for, I don't know, 30 years. So they took their pension and brought it here. And they have lived so well. My dad, he just passed away like five five months ago. And because of their decision, my dad was able to have like the best care. And we were able to, and I know it's, I, we're just very fortunate, but we were able to pray, um, pay private care for him as well as, you know, assisted living. Like he just lived his last days really well because of financial decisions they made of coming here. So they really wanted to be by the grandkids. So my parents came here. They moved here five, seven years, seven years after we moved here. And, um, and my mom, I mean, she grew up five minutes from Disneyland. I mean, she's had lived there 60 years, you know? So that was, uh, but you know what? She never, it's weird. She never, complained about about being here um and then um soon like maybe six months after that my sister's like well hey you guys are here we'll come because my brother was still in the midwest so my sister moved here with her family on euclid street right behind us and then my cousin you know she's like well if you guys are going there i'm going there so my cousin who is an art teacher in um uh where in uh, Oak Hill? Where is that? Where's Oak Hill? No, just kidding. Um, in the Oak Hill area, and so yeah, so they all they all came here to be with, basically, be with us, of course. <laughs> just, just as a side note, the first thing that they did was to invest in the community. 
that was the first thing they did. They got involved on boards. They, uh, Jill's dad became the Marion high school wrestling coach. Huh. So, I mean, they, they definitely did not say, you know what, we're just going to retire and do nothing. They invested every bit of their time to, um, to the community of Marion and, and they loved Marion. So that was, that was inspiring and influential for us too. Um, so I, I love being an introvert. I love, you know, not being with people, but it's the thing, it's the opposite thing that I feel God has called me to do is just to be with people. And um, so anyway, that's just, that's been really helpful for me to see it modeled about when you're growing older, you go, you just don't have to stop. You, you just allow the, the wisdom that you've gained and, and put it into different places. Going back to the question when you said how long, you know, did we plan on staying? I never, and I still to this day, I still will not put a number on how long. Um, but I kept saying, but just don't bury me here. Like, <laughs> like I would drive by the bypass and I go, just don't bury me right there. Okay. But, okay. But, but Jill's parents did. Now yeah. it's like. I mean, now, of course, it's completely opposite. My dad, we just buried my dad off of the bypass right there. And yeah. it's, but it's, I don't know. It, but I just thought that was funny. It's like, but don't bury me. Well, yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear like the story of how everyone got here because I knew, because I graduated with your oldest son, Nate, I knew that you were from Southern California. And then I would meet people and they'd say, oh, well, I'm related to Jill Mazzell in this way. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, how did all these people get yeah. here? Because they, yeah. you're right. They're all involved in certain, in different ways. And yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. I just think that's a great story. So mm. thanks for sharing I, that. That's one thing I had to realize because in, you know, in California, there's so many people you could go to the store and you'll never see that person again. And I remember I went to the bank, it was via credit union. And there was a, a woman that was the receptionist there for years. I think it was Bobby. 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 Yeah. And I was kind of rude to her. Like when I first moved here, you know, I was stressed, you know, completely or whatever. And I was kind of rude to her. And, and I'm like, and I realized that, no, I, I'm going to see that lady like every, you know, all the time or whatever. And it was like, and I remember thinking, um, another thing I remember thinking is how is everybody related? Like, <laughs> you know, so-and-so knows so-and-so. And then, you know, we have these three boys and they all married people around. You. I mean, they went to school in different places, but they all married people from this area. So now we're related to everybody <laughs> you know, by marriage. But I mean, it's like. When, so. when you guys think about the next five years, where do you see yourself? In the, like if you project out five years down the road mm -hmm. as a couple and individually, where do you guys see yourselves? Obviously having kids and watching their lives being transformed in so many different ways. Positioning has always been a part of the story, like where you position your life. And so I, I would say that where they are, we're going to try to navigate as close as we can to them. Our jobs, my job in particular is, uh, can be remote most of the time. So um, I work for a company that is trying to transform higher education uh, through an online experience called Campus EDU. And that's just been an inspiring switch from leaving teaching. It's because you have this teaching background and now you get to reimagine something. So I see that in the next five years for me. Um, and I know that with Jill, um, her job is 
is definitely, a, it's a difficult job, but incredibly rewarding um, with, with what she does. It's uh, it's 24 seven. It's, it's something that it takes a lot out of you, but it can also bring a lot to others. And that's what's incredible. You might want to describe your job a little bit. Well, first, but Scott, going, <clears throat> excuse me, going back to your question, it's like, there's a, um, there's a lot of thought actually going into that right now. I don't know that we can say where we want to be in five years because that's kind of in our, in our age, our season right now, we're like, okay, where do, where, where will we be in five years? You know, cause a lot of our friends, not a lot, but some of our um, friends are, you know, they're starting to move South or, you know, whatever. And, you know, we've, we've talked about, we've talked about those things and we go back to the, it's weird because we're asking questions that we were asking in the very beginning when we first moved here, because we can move to, you know, we've looked at other houses and, and it's like, but there's no purpose here. You know, for us, purpose is very important. And purpose um, in other places. Purpose. What do you mean? Like thinking about a move, we always want to move where there's purpose for right, us. Right. So, so when we think about leaving Mary and suddenly we lose purpose, that's, I think that's what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, we could, you know, with my job, my job's in Indianapolis, so we could easily move, you know, to a different city or whatever. Um, but it's like, what is the, what's the bigger purpose? And so that's really important. Um, but I've, what, and it'll also be hard for you to become um, a professional gardener. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, you'd have to find a whole new neighborhood garden. And that just sounds like a lot of work. Okay, so, so. she's mocking me right now because I am like a gardener rookie. <laughs> We're all gardener rookies. No, yeah. So so my son, you know, we shared a plot for the, the community garden. And my son, who is just like me, he's not like super... Uh, structured sometimes or whatever well he he makes this plan for the plot and i got really impatient and i didn't think things were growing so i went over and just like planted over everything and my son who is not structured all of a sudden became structured and he's like mom you gotta stick with the plan she stuck like three zucchini plants which grow to like each one the size of her plot. Oh, yeah. She stuck them right they in the middle. Off. But they grow really fast. They do. You I could definitely see, see progress. It. I could see progress. I was getting discouraged. <laughs> I, I've got a, a more deep question for you guys. Now, this, this is a couple questions. I thought we were deep. I thought, we're, yeah. We're going deep. Oh, Obviously, we were. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, is, uh, this might create some vulnerability. Um, when have you each felt most needed by the other in your relationship. And then I'm going to ask you once somebody shares that, how the other person feels about knowing that today. So when's the time that you felt most ready to have a great week? Jill, this is for you, Ron, or yeah. when have you felt most needed? Well, there's a memory that just specifically just comes to mind as soon as you're saying it. So I'll go with that one. So um, I was in grad school. And um, our third son, Evan, was about to be born. So um, we decided to go to a smaller hospital. And, um, and so everybody was festive. Obviously, you have a new child coming as the world, and everybody is just pumped. Uh, and so uh, when he was 
born, he was born with what is called a bilateral cleft. So lip. yeah, cleft, he, lip. cleft lip. And so there was a significant opening. And um, at the time, it just felt the room just going very dark. Um, everybody got quiet. And uh, Jill was probably the most relaxed because she had an epidural. So she, <laughs> <laughs> she, everybody else was scattered. And, um, and I just felt like the world just shifted because I'm a perfectionist. I, I deal with creating worlds with art, you know, and, and having control over that. And I realized that I had no control over the situation. And, uh, and so Evan's first closure uh, surgical closure was three months after he was born. And it was a little over 12 hours surgery to do the closure. And, um, and our bond was through stress, through the uncertainty. And I just so needed Jill because going through grad school, running a business, and then having a, a child that was going to have some needs. And he had quite a few surgeries from that point on. And um, so that was a really delicate, transformative time. And again, you're running a business that's, that fluctuates financially and you're trying to make bills and you're trying to deal with the other two kids that, that are in this story as well. So that bond with Jill was pretty significant, pretty deep, because we also heard that divorce happens when you have a special needs child. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Jill's, just to back up even a little bit further, the day we got married, you long for good advice from people. So Jill's dad gave me this bit of advice that was a shock to me, but I understood what he meant. He basically said, someday you're going to bury Jill and she's going to bury you or she's going to bury you. Helping us to understand you're in this for the long haul. This is not a cheap date. This is, this is something that is significant and you're going to have obstacles but it's worth fighting for those, fighting through them. And so that bit of advice never left me. I mean, it's pretty defining when you're hearing that when something's so hopeful as a wedding. But uh, that has been seared in my mind because there's always temptations in any relationship to call it, to say, you know what, there's got to be something. But I've just have learned how to be resilient when trouble comes. And I, I've learned that from Jill too. I've learned that from her parents that just because something's hard doesn't mean you quit. And so, uh, and Evan and all of our sons, but Evan just taught us about what resilience really is because every time you go into those surgical experience, he's going to be experiencing pain that, that we won't. Um, and even emotional pain, you know, when people look at you differently, you know, and he's transcended so much and he's a remarkable young man as well. But, Thanks for being vulnerable, yeah. Ron. Thank you. That's a good story. Um, and I don't know if you want to respond to that or if you no. have another situation. No. <laughs> no. You're allowed to say no. Well, yeah. I just, I had, I had a kind of a delayed reaction. There was a lot of environmental stress also in California. We lived in between two gangs and there, they were always, you know, fighting for our area and, um, and just, you know, the financial stress. So after we moved here, I crashed like it was not all fun and games like six months after we moved here. And also when I went to school here, we had January term. So I would always go home during the winter yeah. and I would take classes at home for six weeks. So 
I had not experienced, snow you know, and well, I mean, things, I had yeah. experienced snow, but it wasn't all winter. Yeah. I got a break, <laughs> yeah, you know? Okay. And so, and I think because of the kind of the stability that we had with insurance and everything, when we got here, I was, I think my body just knew, okay, you can now, it's, it's okay for you to crash. And I did six months after we moved here, I went through a clinical depression and, um, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating. Um, and that's very unusual for me (laughs) not to want to eat. (laughs) Um, so it was, it was very hard and I had to, with Ron, it's like, I had to really, really lean on him at that time because I was, I was not functioning well. Yeah. That's awesome. Ron, do you remember that time and, and oh, yeah. how, how you uh, maybe handled that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, after you fire your class yeah. <laughs> and your wife's going through a clinical <laughs> depression or about to. Yeah, yeah it's, it was, it was a, a time where I had to be a better listener than me trying to fix this thing. And seeing Jill go through that um, was obviously difficult because as a husband, you want to fix it. You want to make it all better. And, but again, People from this area surrounded her, and and that really helped. She was part of launching MOPS um, at the time, so there was a supportive group of moms there as well. So, and and I think that's the part where um, leaving a very populated area where you don't have to know people suddenly you come into a place that there's a deeper caring that that people don't want to just ignore you. They, they want to participate in your life was kind of a, a new experience for us. And, um, and letting people do that because it's so easy just to close your door and say, I don't need anybody or I don't want anybody, but being vulnerable, you know, because it looks like Jill's together, but inside she was not together. Yeah. And that was hard to see that. Yeah. You know, Thank you guys for both yeah. being vulnerable. Thank I know you. those are tough questions, so, so thank you. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome, Jill. <laughs> okay, let's lighten it up a little bit. Uh, um, so we did ask the question about your job, Jill, and mm-hmm. so I want to circle oh, back to right. that. So let's right. share a little bit about what it is that you do with okay. Ultimate Canine. Yeah, so um, we specialize in providing therapy dogs and service dogs and companion dogs for families. Um my kind of my niche, my specialty is I'm a graduating trainer. So that means that I get the dogs when they're probably about six, you know, around six months old, they already know like all of their basic commands. And then, cause they've been a, with a puppy raiser and then I take them and I get them ready to graduate. So I get them ready to go into the, um, you know, the facility that they're going to be at or the family you know, and again, every once in a while I will do a service dog. I don't particularly like doing service dogs because there's just a lot of pressure with it and the dog has to be perfect. And, uh, that's, I don't know, that's just a lot of pressure and it's a lot of money. So when you go into the house and they're like paying a lot of money and the dog acts like a dog, you're like, (laughs) Oh no. You know, so that, um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's what I do. The, um, the company that I work for is out of Westfield, Indianapolis. It's, it's been around for 10 years now. My boss, she's been doing this for 30 years and she does, she does like a lot of the, um, the drug dogs and the, you know, the, the, um, just 
yeah, all the so harder. So you say drug dogs, like people who, like when you're going through the airport, they're, mm-hmm. they're testing you yep. for. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or police dogs. <clears throat> yeah. Um, or if they're, you know, they're finding, um, detecting people or whatever. Yeah. So, um, but that's like very intricate work on what she does. Yeah. Um, so, but for me, my special specialty is, is therapy dogs in schools. That's what I enjoy most mm-hmm. just because, you know, I have been an educator in the past, a children's director for at college church for many years. Um, so that's what I, that's what I enjoy most. West Virginia, um, the governor, governor of West Virginia, the, actually it's the first lady. She has a, an, an initiative, a mental health initiative, and they are placing therapy dogs within the schools. So we have, I've been to West Virginia five times in the last, Hmm. I don't know, five months, something like that. But, um, and so that's, they want, they've commissioned us to do 20 dogs in West Virginia. So, and it's just, it's so phenomenal just to see on the impact that these dogs are making. Yeah. A lot of the areas that we go to are very rural areas, like we're talking in the mountains and, you know, um, sometimes a lot of poverty and, um, cause the schools are specifically chosen, you know, for areas where, um, there's a lot of mental, mental health issues. So yeah, that's what, that's what I do. What? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I have to imagine you get attached. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Has yeah. there been one you were like, I don't want this one to go. Yeah. Keep this one. It was, his name was Benny. Benny. And we actually, <laughs> we actually did mm-hmm. keep Benny. It I was like, well, okay. We kept Benny, but he, um, he, part of the reasons why he, we call it washed out. That means they, you know, they're, they are then placed in a home with a great home. They're not having a job maybe because they didn't because they didn't hit the right criteria right so Mm -hmm. this particular dog was resource guarding a lot of times it was resource guarding for attention and so because you know we have a pack of puppies around he he started getting a little aggressive towards the puppies that we were um you know that we were training so we had he was ron's dog we had you know again we had trained him through the the whole program and everything. And he was just an amazing dog. He had just this one quirk that he would just get really jealous and, you know, try to bite a puppy. And one time he did. So it was like, we had to, had to let him go. And there were a lot of tears over that. But for the most part though, it's kind of like, I think it's kind of like, for one thing, it's like foster parenting. Um, another thing is I look at it like teaching. So you have your class for a year and you love the class and you, you know, you speak into their lives and you watch them grow. But they, at the end of the year, you're like, okay, I have taught them what they need to know. And my purpose is to create the, or, um, you know, inspire them to do greater things. And so um, that's kind of like the, with the puppies, I look at it like, okay, they're ready to go on to second grade. And I, my purpose is done here. And fortunately I keep in pretty close contact with, you know, a lot of my clients, some clients choose not to, but a lot of clients do. And so that really helps. And, you know, I, I spend like three or four days with these people and, you know, at the facility or the school or whatever. So you really get to see, the bond happens, you know, that happens. Also, Ron and I choose to bond with these dogs as if they're our dogs. So 
when we graduate them, it is a little bit harder on us and the dog because we have bonded, but it's kind of, we have to teach that to the dog. They have to know how to bond in order to bond with another person. Right. So a lot of times you'll get a shelter dog or whatever. They, they don't, they haven't experienced that. It hasn't imprinted in them on how to bond with a human. So they, you know, you have to teach them that. Whereas the, these puppies have, they've experienced that from the very beginning. So when I graduate them and, and give them to their family or their facility, they're, they're looking for that person. And I've never graduated a dog without finding that person, you know? So yeah, that makes it a little bit easier. Let me add two, two small things. One is that, well, I've been infatuated with Jill since we got married, but watching her work. (laughs) uh, So going to West Virginia to this, to these schools, um, the first lady arrives at the day the dog is going to graduate. So there's a lot of press it's a there, big pup rally. Yeah, they call all, it a, yeah. First lady of the state of West Virginia. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. So yeah. the this, this, this state brings in the first lady and, you know, her entourage. And the dog has to do well. Because that's the big anticipation. There is a marching band that yeah. comes Everybody's in. Everybody's watching. Oh, Cheerleaders. And, it's, yeah. and they call it again. They call it a pup rally. And it is the kids <laughs> are screaming and the dog, you know, has to acclimate to that. But what has been so awesome about Marion is that Jill's, the schools welcome her to yes. come in and train at the schools. And, um, and just watching that interaction and how a city embraces, mm-hmm. the school system embraces the training. Because what's so moving about this story is that when the dogs leave, there's a bigger story that's about to emerge. And, um, and that's why the inconvenience of doing this 24-7 the story that's coming far outweighs the inconvenience that this can bring to your life because the dogs are around you. They travel with you. You know, you're always thinking about them. And, um, but watching the transformation of watching these kids welcome these dogs in, it is just inspiring. And uh, so a couple schools have been super supportive of Jill. Well, they've all in. been, yeah. they've all been really supportive. It's just, I, it, for, um, specifically Francis Locum and Allen School. I mean, Francis Locum, well, Allen School too. I mean, I can literally walk in there, you know, any time of the day and they are, they're just, they just love it. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, people are looking at me like, what is she doing or whatever? No, it's just the principal. You didn't make an appointment. Yes, exactly. exactly. Well, I was going to say, Ron, you brought up the point too, because I was going to say, because it's kind of a package deal because you're kind of like your Sue trainer, right? So when Jill doesn't want to get up, she's like, come on, Ron, your turn. (laughs) Take the dogs out. (laughs) Right? Yeah, we have a, we have a structure, even though (laughs) Jill doesn't think she's structured. She has structured me quite a bit. So I do the early morning walk. He does yeah. do that. Yeah. Cause I'm like, okay, if you're going to get up at four 30 or five, then take a dog. You're, yeah. you're going to have to like, you know, take a dog because and I don't want to get up at four 30. It's something to see. I'll say, you yeah. know, we've run into each other a couple times on our morning walks yeah. and I know he's got, he's got the whole herd with him usually. Yeah. I know it's something to see. Yeah, especially yeah. in our car, the Prius we have, it's, I wish we had more tinted windows because <laughs> you've got these five bobbing heads and people are looking at you like, you guys are very strange. And we are. It's like, it's we know like, it. yeah. this is our life. This is it right yeah. here. 
We didn't uh, talk about breeds. What breeds? So um, we, for the, like the um, police dogs, drugs dogs, my boss uses Malinois for that. I don't train Malinois because they're very high strung. Um, but mainly for um, the therapy and service dog, we use Labradoodles and Labradors. So um, she's actually using Labradors more and more, even although they shed. Um, and that's a real thing. We have a Labrador and it's a yeah. real thing. Um, but Labradoodles sometimes can just be a little more reactive. So lab, Labradoodles or Labradors have thicker, thicker skin, you know, and they kind of like you can um, push them around or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you're still my friend. Right. You know, they, they, it's like they're, they're forget their forgiveness. They have a really good forgiveness. Um, with a Labradoodle, like they start around two years old, they start just developing these preferences that, you know, somebody will come around the corner and if they can't, you know, kind of decipher the, the face or whatever, they'll bark. Well, a therapy dog that bark is barks is not good, you know? Um, and so, but mainly Labradors and Labradoodles. So, yeah. I, I was going to ask you a follow-up question earlier. You mentioned your in-laws, Ron, um, had been incredibly community oriented or minded mm -hmm. and Jill's parents. Um, what are the things that you've really liked about Grant County since you've been here? And then I have a bent for growth. Like how do we get this County growing? So, since 1970, we've been on a population decline. Anything that you guys would say, this is how we get this county growing again. Any any perspective on that, both from a community side? Just watching the mayor's drive to um, work with downtown and, you know, allowing that to thrive in, in a, just a really beautiful way. Um, I'm on a board. Uh, called the Marion Arts Commission, and just watching that story emerge through Chris Kennedy and Wendy Puffer and some of the others on the board, and the arts is um, is one of the avenues that that allows a community to thrive. Businesses and watching businesses grow in the bypass, it's always good to see businesses emerge. Having lived here for 28, 29 years, and the city has grown. And, and you get to see that growth. Um, we vowed not to live on, um, I, I, our first move was like, let's not live in the middle of the city because we lived already in a very condensed environment, but we ended up living on Spencer Avenue and uh, it has just been the joy. And most people, when they ask where we live, I said, well, we live not too far from a helicopter pad. You know, it, it, it's just like it, it's become just a part of our story that we're really excited about. And uh, when you see a house that has, you know, been neglected and you see someone who has a new dream to, to inspire that home, that always just invigorates you. And we see that. And that's that's been a, a cool marker for us. Yeah. I yeah. mean, both Ron and I are very visual. So I think. Yeah, just seeing new life being breathed into a, a home, you know, that is, I don't know. I think that that's just really important when you see a pride of ownership, you know, that I just think that that's important in a community, you know. 
I know Kylie's been working on Make My Move um, uh, as a part of a team that, that's talking to people about relocating here and maybe uh, investing in those types of homes that, mm-hmm. that could uh, um, could maybe use some work from the outside. Right. Um, yeah. So, well, and I think we've had those conversations maybe when, when Ryan was on the podcast and he was saying, you know, his neighbors, all of the neighbors next door to him and then across the street, speaking of you guys, said, you know, everyone's remote. Everyone could be living anywhere and doing this job anywhere, but right. they choose to live in this neighborhood and be a right. part of this community. And, mm-hmm. um, and so he was, I think that was his answer to your question, question Scott, was to really kind of target the things that we have that are valuable mm-hmm. that might attract those remote workers from, say, California with the right. high cost mm-hmm. of living and, and what they might be able to, to do with that money here. Exactly. Um, so. Well, I don't, I don't want to let the opportunity get passed too. So as I continue to hear you talk about community and how um, Marion surrounds and how we come up and how we show out, um, <laughs> you say you live on Spencer Avenue. Um, we may have listeners that don't know about Marion and don't know about um, what Halloween is like on oh, Spencer yes. Avenue. Yeah. What's that like for you living on Spencer? Well, first of all, we start, <laughs> we start buying candy usually around sometimes September as soon as it hits the shelf right yeah yeah. (laughs) and I have found yeah that you can get the better deals as it gets closer closer to Halloween but you don't have the you're not guaranteed that anything as good is going to be there nobody likes the kitty mix yeah exactly (laughs) so we try to like give the you know we give the candy that we like you know (laughs) okay that I like Um, because if any's left right like you're just gonna have to eat it well I take the almond joys out because <laughs> kids don't like yeah coconut, they don't like nuts. Right? no they don't like yeah. nuts either so just yeah. skip all of the nut ones so i yeah. take those um but yeah no we spend probably i don't know a hundred at least a hundred dollars well, in candy would, yeah. probably 120 dollars yeah. math yeah 100 math. 120 yeah. whatever it's probably closer to 250 <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. but is. we it is it is at least um i know between fourteen to seventeen hundred pieces of candy, and it and that the way that depends is how long we stay out. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it is the coolest. I don't know how to describe it other than that you see everybody, and and there isn't one child or parent that doesn't say thank you. It is the well. There is, might be one, but I well, know what you're saying. I know if, what you're if saying. If they do, I'm ignoring it. Well, <laughs> Just I, in a hurry to get to the next house. Yeah, it, but I mean, it yeah. is so fun to watch the sidewalks just filled with kids and cars stopping and just like literally lined up. Like it's it's a pretty. And then the last couple of years, we've actually place because it's great it's a great opportunity for training with the dogs that's what i was gonna yeah mention. so yeah we literally placed five dogs they're all on their place and uh and dressed up yeah. yeah oh yeah we dressed them up this year in our labrador she's like really like i've got to do this but um but yeah it's a pretty neat experience well i like to bring that up just because you know we talk about community and about um you know, safe neighborhoods and, and things like that. Um, you know, our neighborhood usually gets pretty overrun with a lot of kids too, but like, I view that as, you know, 
kids feel safe, parents feel safe. You know, I want kids to feel comfortable being able to come to a neighbor's house or even if you drive your kids into our neighborhood, like that's completely fine with me as well. Like, I just want this to be a good positive, you know, experience for kids too. So I, and I know Spencer can get wild. Yeah, (laughs) It gets wild. So, you know, and it is an investment. It's an investment in community, you know? So yes, it's a lot of money, but it's an investment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting on how things like that start um, with just a small thing, you know, and I remember they would, when I was children's director, you know, they wanted me to do trunk or treats down at the, you know, church. And it's like, why would I be down at the church when there's like a, you know, a whole, a lot of kids there, but it started out small and it's just as you, the longevity of being here and now, you know, younger people are moving in and they're saving to buy candy now, you know, it's like, and in fact, you know, Ryan, of course, across the street has to like one up you, you know, (laughs) and now he plays like the music and, yeah, so um, full size candy bars, Jill. Full oh, size. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but that just the longevity of somebody, you know, being there for a, you know, over and over, and how that tradition—it's become a tradition, really. So it's kind of neat. Ron and Jill, it's been awesome spending some time with you guys today. And one of the questions we usually wrap up with is, "What have you been listening to? What have you been watching? What are you reading?" Anything that you guys would like to share with our listeners that somebody else might want to pick up on? And, you know, the reason we ask this is because we're running out of things to watch and read and listen. So <laughs> we're just cultivating so we our, our own list. personal list. Oh, that's funny. There, I I love to listen to, um, um, well, of course, I listen to things about dogs. Okay, dog training. But there's um, one, I listen a lot because I'm in the car for so many hours. And I the library, oh, my goodness. Um, Hulu or Hula or Hoopla, Hoopla in the library. Oh, and Libby. It's, it's just wonderful. It's like, I am so excited about this. So you can download books. We have an amazing library. Yeah. So anyway, I was listening to the, I love listening to memoirs, you know, just of like, um, just listen to Michelle Obama and just how, you know, like, again, that longevity of starting from nothing and just working hard for, you know, many years or whatever. Um, but the one that I just listened to is um, Let Dogs Be Dogs. And it's written by a monk. And it's kind of like how, you know, humans and human and dogs, how they interact. But then there's also a spiritual element to it, too, that's um, and it, of course, you know, he goes through training and stuff. I love his approach to training, but I just, it's, it's just fascinating listening. I've been listening to that book. You know, you brought up the Marion Public Library. I can't tell you the hours that we spent in that library with our kids. It was just an incredibly influential time in the boys' lives. I mean, it was, it was like uh, just getting out of the house and going to the library was like a, a great event and it was really fun uh, books that I'm reading. Uh, one's called creativity Inc uh, by Ed Catmull. Uh, so he's part of Pixar and uh, that was, that's been a, a great read. And then another book my son recommended uh, because he loves trees. It's called American canopy about the story of trees in the United States. And it's just a fascinating book. So uh, those are two of my reads right now. You had mentioned three sons, and I'd probably be remiss without 
where, where are each of those boys living today and what are they each doing in their own world? So, um, Nathan, he is actually, um, a VP at Slingshot, which is, um, kind of a, it's the parent company company for campus EDU. So he's the customer service, um, VP there. Um, and then lives right down the street and, oh yeah, yeah. Lives on Spencer right down the street and, um, yeah. And their area. It sounds like he gardens. It, yeah. Well, you know, we <laughs> tried to, we've learned. You make a good team. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we have fun. <laughs> um, and then Kyle is, he's in Indianapolis. He, he is a doctor for community North. No community. Uh, what's North. the, I know, but the community medical health, health network, health network. Thank you. Community health network. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he's a doctor there. And then Evan has been in New York for many years working for, um, a very famous artist and Rudolph Stingle. And he just, um, left that position to, um, work on his, um, not PhD. What is it? For his master's. His math. No, I thought he was getting his MFA. Well, it's MFA is. Yes. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> master. Well, Jill and I debate on <laughs> the ending point. They were such a nice couple. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he's, um, that is what he's doing right now. Awesome. He, it, guys, he is, I have to say, he is an incredible artist. Just yeah. saying. I know I'm his mother, but you know. <laughs> And is he a, um, a visual artist or is he a musical artist or a combination of the two or visual visual artist? Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he so does takes after his too. pops a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. I was an art major too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron and Jill, thank you so much for, for number one, making a difference in this community and for the time that you've invested in in our community. And thank you for being on where we landed. Um, it's been great having you guys here today. Um, we did want to thank everybody for listening. And for those who would like to, please pass us on and uh, recommend us to your friends. Um, but thank you for being on where we landed. And everybody have a great week. See ya. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Today's podcast was engineered by Kyra Montero of Frequency Canvas.